When I say can you dig it, put your two hands up like that. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by SilverScreenAndRoll.com. I am Christian Rivas, joined by Jacob Rude on a Tuesday, because our friends, the Alexes, uh, did not record today. And I'm gonna be honest with you, this is a good day to record. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Game Two of the Western Conference Finals, the NBA draft lottery, and news broke that Alex Caruso was arrested on a charge of, uh, l- let me just make sure I'm getting this right. Less than two ounces <laughs> of marijuana in his possession uh, and drug paraphernalia, which Ramona Shelburne of ESPN was told by Lieutenant Bobby Richardson of Texas A&M Police uh, that it was an herb grinder. I don't know what kind of herbs he was grinding, <laughs> but... All I will say is I uh, echo LeBron James sentiment when it comes to Alex Caruso being arrested. That was my thought. Uh, One, retire LeBron's jersey because he used a Randy Moss (laughs) gif, and Randy Moss is one of my all-time favorites. Uh, Two, that pretty much summarizes how I feel about it. Like, uh, I don't really care. It's very silly that he was arrested for less than two ounces. Also by like, obviously there's rules. It was at Texas A&M. That's his alma mater. Like you can't even give him a, a pass there. Like that's, he's supposed to be like the campus legend. Um, and then three is, I just hope he remembers this when, as Anthony said, when Mark Cuban comes calling this summer, <laughs> that uh Remember this whole fiasco of him being arrested and probably walked out of the airport for uh, for less than two ounces. Honestly, like reading the context, it wasn't even like anything. Like it was probably remnants of something he may have partaken in the night before, earlier that day or something. And that's all that was left. It's a very silly it's very silly that this is even a law anywhere still. Right. The thing I feel the most bad about is that it has to be covered. Like, yeah, Harrison and I talked about it and we're like, this isn't actually a thing, uh, but we had to cover it. And, you know, other news outlets had to cover it. And, you know, there's just some mom out there that took the Alex Crusoe jersey out of their son's or daughter's closet. Because, oh my God. because of this and it's like i didn't even think of that now i'm angry about it <laughs> that that is the only reason i feel bad i think most people uh look at the situation and turn an eye to it but there's there's always one so that is what uh took up a good chunk of my night but as that was going on game two of the western conference finals was going on and from what i was told and from what i saw by watching the highlights of the game it was a good one yeah that these are two i'm trying to think of a way to say this like lakers fans who i assume everybody that's listening is close your ears but the clippers are actually kind of fun to watch 
uh, I literally had like a epiphany almost watching the Jazz Clippers. What was that game six? Um, that these Clippers are actually kind of fun. Um, they honest I, at the time I just thought I just didn't like the Jazz so much that it made the Clippers seem fun, <laughs> but. Um, I mean, it's a team that never stops fighting, um, coming up against a Suns team that is just like, honestly, the more I watch the Suns this postseason, the more impressed I am with the Lakers because nobody has given them nearly as the Lakers were punking the Suns when they were healthy and like that, just look back to that. Was it game three where LeBron was just toying with Jay Crowder's livelihood? And I think that was the last time the Suns lost a game. And just compare that to what we saw on Tuesday. Um, just a, a fun game. Had everything. Um, but I had an audible reaction to DeAndre Ayton's uh, – alley-oop to win the game I was sitting there watching it we were in a discord and I was the last one my feed was the furthest behind so everybody was quiet and I just audibly yelled (laughs) whenever uh Aiden shot went in if you're the Clippers and I tweeted this this boggles my mind there is one thing you cannot have happen on that play, and it is an alley-oop. How do you let him get an open alley-oop on that play? Yeah, that's crazy to me. Like, Joakim Noah's not on the roster anymore, but if you're Tyron Lue, you call Joakim Noah and the tallest guys on your roster. You just clog the paint. Literally anything else you can give up. There's maybe time to get a shot off, but it, it is such a rush shot that you, you'd rather live with that than give up an alley-oop at the rim um yeah i thought i thought i was insane watching it back i knew i i figured it was like a tip in by deandre ayton to win the game because i i saw the reactions on twitter before i saw the actual play uh, but it wasn't a tip it was just an alley-oop it was like it, a it was a dunk a proper dunk over uh one of my firstborn sons which doesn't make sense because if it's your firstborn it's your firstborn <laughs> but um i guess one of one of my uh oldest sons of Ita Zubats uh who otherwise had a had a fine game I think uh I will say uh you are co-parenting with DeAndre Ayton after tonight because how dare you (laughs) because uh between that play and the LUP had earlier in the game that was absolutely vicious um yeah we'll just say you're co-parenting uh that those final I, I read tweet um the final two minutes from Matt Norlander. Um he said I just went back and checked the final two minutes of gameplay between the Clippers and Suns took 33 minutes in real time, which it brought up a lot of discussion about the replay and review system. Um it also allowed a couple things to happen, which was um, during one of the replay reviews, uh, Pat Bev was walking up and down the 
sideline waving goodbye to the Suns fans. And um, so it allowed us to mock Pat Bev, always a huge bonus. Um, also, pour one out for Sabrina because she literally has twice in the last uh, like three or four days tweeted about something dumb the Clippers have done and has been like unintentionally ratioed because of it. Like she was the one that tweeted that out tonight. And um, well, oh, after game six, Tyloo said that like Lakers fans should be rooting for the Clippers. Like, please just pour one out for her and her mentions the last week. Um, but it, also that all those delays gave us plenty of time to mock Paul George, who actually hit a couple of big jumpers late in the game but then just absolutely clanked two enormous free throws and he looked I mean I thought he looked good the whole game and the way the shots he made in the fourth quarter I was like well damn this is like old PG like Pacers PG Mm. and then he stepped to the line for those free throws and my god was that a deer in headlights look he was not even a little bit interested and being in that situation and both of those free throws look like it. Um, I was trying to pull up. I want to say he was like a, he was an 86%, almost 87% free throw shooter this season and missed both. So um, shout out to both Pat Bev and PG for continuing to give us content. I What's funny to me or, and what has been funny to me about watching the Clippers this postseason is if you told a Clippers fan last year, around this time of the postseason. I'm not going to say around this time last year because I, I, I don't even did, – did we have sports yet at this time last year? I feel uh, like teams were just getting ready to leave for the bubble uh, in late were, June. The bubble started in late July. So, yeah, it would be – we had probably solidified. I was trying to think back. We definitely had, like, soccer – maybe some UFC. I don't, I don't MLS know. MLS is back tournament, baby. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we were kind of trying to get back into the groove of things, but I don't think we had basketball yet. Um, point being, if you had told the Clippers fan uh, this time in the postseason last year that Reggie Jackson would be the most fun <laughs> and enjoyable point guard on the roster, I think they would have slapped you in the face. And now, honestly, as somebody who's rooted for the Lakers – uh, for my entire life. I have found myself rooting for Reggie Jackson more than I've found myself rooting for any entity. And honestly, I'll say the same thing about Cameron Payne. I hated him when he was going off against the Lakers. I was stunned because just a few years prior, Cameron Payne was lighting up the UNLV uh, uh, Thomas and Mack Center at the <laughs> Summer League in like his fourth or fifth year. And I was like, I, I don't know if this dude should be here. <laughs> like if you're playing summer league in your your fourth or fifth year, whatever it was, this is probably ain't for you. Now, with Chris Paul sidelined, the Suns have leaned on their God, their leader, their fearless leader campaign. 29 points on 12 of 24 shooting from the field and nine assists. Got Chris Paul, point God. I get it. Great player. Cameron Payne needs a nickname that that rivals it, in my opinion. 
do we when do we start talking about the Chris Paul Ewing theory <laughs> and about how good the uh the Suns have looked without Chris Paul? Um yeah, I mean I was going through it during the Lakers series. Um I think at one point I said I used to be making jokes about uh campaign during summer league and now we're the joke. Um I I don't there's so many interesting storylines um, in the playoffs and particularly the, these two teams in the Western Conference Finals because you mentioned two of the bigger ones, Campaign and uh, Reggie Jackson. I mean, Terrence Mann, you, you were talking about telling a Clippers fan last year about Reggie Jackson. Tell them Terrence Mann would lead them to the Western Conference Finals it, with a, four, what was it, 39, 40-point game in game six um and just his story um Nicholas Batum um he's been incredible for them all minimum guys but then I mean on the Suns you have Payne DeAndre Ayton like I continue to be I don't want to say stunned but like he's been so good these playoffs I did not expect him to be this good this quickly like if you rewind back to all of the um kind of preview podcasts and and articles and whatnot going into the lakers series it was about how he was going to be a weak link against the lakers right and he was anything but and he's been anything but um he's been incredible um he on both ends of the court he in game one was really good as kind of a short roller and making reads and tonight was really good around the rim, obviously offensively, obviously the game winner. Um, I'm just like, the Suns are really good. <laughs> like I, I don't know, I guess in the moment playing the Lakers, I was almost too wrapped up in like, the minutia of the series and whatnot that I just didn't really realize the level the Suns were playing at. You kind of realized it, even in the two blowout wins they had to end the series, I just kind of thought to myself, well, this is because the Lakers are hurt. Um, but no, it's because the, the Suns are really, really good. <laughs> and they're led. I mean, Booker's been incredible. Aiton's been incredible. Um, it's wild that, this Suns team is two wins away from the NBA Finals. Yeah, and it, it's, I think, pretty telling of how hard these the, both of these teams have played that neither of us have taken the time to clown either side yet. And I, I, I think some of it has to do with the fact that Kawhi's injured. And, you know, if you're, if you're in a clown, the Suns, for beating the Clippers without Kawhi, you also can't go and say that the Suns only beat the Lakers because AD was injured. This is, this is not how it works. But I, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm getting old and soft. But it it really has just been a really enjoyable series, and uh, I've enjoyed watching both teams play. That being said, would I would I be mad if the Suns knocked out the Clippers in the Western Conference Final? No, uh, I think. The, the, but the, it, it's gone beyond that. Like the fact that they're even here 
is cool for that fan base and that organization. And uh, I mean, they're, they're making the most of what they have. No Kawhi, Paul George stepped up to the plate big and uh, kind of poured cold water on all of those memes and, and burns he was, he was getting as a result of his underwhelming, we'll call it performances in the Western <laughs> conference semifinal when, when Kawhi was healthy uh, so yeah, a really fun series. I'm looking forward to see how this one progresses and eventually down the line, we will get an NBA final series. Uh, before we head into the break, give me your predictions, NBA final without having seen the Bucks and the Hawks play a game. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about this Clippers sun series and the fact that the Hawks are four wins away from the NBA finals is by far crazier. Um, I mean, I'm going to be rooting for the Hawks out of everyone. Um, but I will say it'll be Bucks, Suns. And man, I honestly might pick the Suns in that. The Suns oh, are so nuts. The Sun, okay. <laughs> I also just watched the Bucks offense grind right, to an okay. absolute halt for like the Fair. entirety of that Brooklyn series. And. I just think the Suns are playing at a crazy level right now. I don't know. I that would be a really fun series, the Bucks and Suns. Ah, uh, I don't have my Bucks visor near me, and not <laughs> like it would have been for you and nobody else that I put it on for. But uh, I, yeah, I think I think it'll be Bucks and Suns, and I'm I'm going Bucks and six. So shout that's out, my prediction. shout out to Brandon Jennings, always Bucks and six. Uh, we're gonna go head into the break, and then when we come back, we're gonna talk about the NBA draft lottery. The draft lottery is is not something that Lakers fans tune into anymore, I don't think. I don't know why somebody would subject themselves to that type of stress. Uh, I did because I knew we were going to have to talk about it. And you did because you cover uh, two of the teams that were in the lottery. Um, the first team I want to talk about, of course, is the Detroit Pistons, who won the number one pick at the NBA draft lottery on Tuesday. Um, I... I uh, I don't know how to feel about their core. Like, I think they have interesting young players like Isaiah Stewart and Sadiq Bay interest me, but I don't know that I can say for certain that the Pistons are on their way to building something. Like, I I don't know if anybody on that team stands out as a superstar, uh, but I will say <laughs> if there's a, any chance of of a player breaking out on that team of their young core, it is most likely the number one, the presumed number one pick in the draft, Kate Cunningham. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree that they don't really have like a face of this rebuild, which is exactly what Cade Cunningham is going to be then. Um, I don't know, in kind of the same way that I've enjoyed these playoffs because it's so many like new faces in these moments. Um, it, I think it's kind of a flip side because you team the new teams in the lottery don't want to be there, but it was kind of interesting to see some new teams kind of at the top of the lottery Detroit. Um, I don't know when the last time they had the number one pick was, um, but I mean, they're not a team that, is typically this high in the draft lottery. Um, the Rockets right behind them. Um, Yao Ming might have been their last number one pick. Um, so 
the last number one pick for the Pistons was 1970, um, Bob Lanier. So um, over 50 years between number one picks. So uh, just from that standpoint alone, it's interesting to see kind of new faces, um, new people drafting that high, and it kind of freshens up um, the league a little bit and kind of spread some of that talent around. So I'm, I'm interested. I'm excited because Cade Cunningham, from what I've heard and what I've seen a little bit of so far, is going to be a lot of fun. And um, <laughs> as nicely as I can say this, it'll give people, it'll give a lot of people a reason to watch the Pistons next season. <laughs> Um, this is the Pistons' highest draft pick since 2003, and I know you have it pulled up in front of you, so I won't ask you who it was. Um, Darko went number two overall in 2003 to the Pistons. The following picks, famously, were Carmelo Anthony, Chris Bosh, and Dwayne Wade. That is, uh, I, I, it's a little early but I think we'll probably look at Marvin Bagley in the same light. <laughs> oh man. I hadn't thought about it. Yeah. Uh, that, that is a, especially considering these, uh, these playoffs and also that, what was that? The 2018 draft. Um, I think tonight, uh, or I know tonight Woj said pregame, that Aiton, Luca, and Trey Young all are going to get max contract yeah. um, extensions. So that's three of the five players selected around Bagley. I'm going to go on a limb and say Bagley is not going to get a max contract <laughs> extension this summer. So, um, yeah, that one is rough looking, um, and it was rough looking from the get-go. What's crazy about Bagley not getting a max contract extension is a big part of the reason he's not going to get a uh, max contract extension isn't just because like he might not be good. We don't know if he's good because he's always hurt. Um, but the fact that the Kings have such a high payroll hmm. and they haven't made the play, they haven't made the playoffs in 15, 16 years. That's nuts. Um, so, I mean, best of luck to Marvin Bagley, the third, I would love to see him have a, a breakout season, whether it's in Sacramento or elsewhere, but I'm gonna be honest right now. It's not looking great. Um, the other, the other team I wanted to talk about was the Toronto Raptors. Uh, I, I tweeted before the draft started that I wanted the Oklahoma city thunder to win the draft lottery. Uh, they ended up falling outside of the top four, uh, and, and falling to six golden state warriors kept their pick at seven, but fell from, I believe six to seven. Uh, so that was interesting, but the Raptors, I was happy to see get a pick in the top four because I generally speaking, I think the draft lottery is a little more rewarding when you have teams that, you know, were competitive for a while and did everything they could to be competitive for a while and just fell on hard times for a lack of a better word, whether it's just an aging roster or injuries piling up. Um, I think that's, the case for the Raptors for the most part did they absolutely tank the last 
20 something games of their season. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, they paid all of the players from their championship roster. Well, uh, Masai's a great general manager. I'm excited to see what he does with this pick. And um, so, yeah, I was, I, that's just a little personal thing for me. I'm, I was happy to see Toronto climb into the top four. Yeah. I, again, another kind of new face that typically isn't there. Um, and I don't know, it creates some interesting um, questions for them because, I mean, does this impact Kyle Lowry coming back at all? Um, it's not Kate, almost certainly won't be Kate Cunningham they get, but Jalen Suggs could be an option, another point guard. They have Van Vliet. Um, obviously, the Raptors were okay with dealing um, Lowry at the deadline. So I don't know if this changes whether they would bring him back or not. Um, which could be good news for the Lakers because depending on, I mean, it'd be tricky to get Lowry on the team. It'd have to be some type of sign and trade, I think, but it would be an option. I mean, they were interested in him um, at the deadline and I'm sure they would exhaust every option to try to get him again. But um, from that standpoint, it makes it interesting. Um, also, I mean, just from a uh, kind of neutral standpoint, the Warriors having two lottery picks yes. is very interesting, as well as a James Wiseman that certainly did not work out in year one. Um, I don't know. Joe Lacob had some odd quotes about Steph Curry. Um, <laughs> not just Steph Curry. I was going to ask you if you saw his quotes about uh, James Wiseman over LaMelo Ball. Yeah, his whole situation mattered. Yeah. Kind of oddity. I don't, it, he had, yes, you're right. It was just odd quotes in general. <laughs> um, I don't really know. Maybe he and Caruso shared some of you know what before he went on that My interview <laughs> um, because he was saying some wild stuff. But I don't know the things he was saying about Curry and about like if he wants to leave, then I, I won't stop him type of stuff. So I don't know. Maybe they do they try to package Wiseman and two lottery picks to get something? I assume you pair him with Wiggins' contract so the money can work. Right. What does that get you? Um, I'm not really sure. I don't know what they even, I guess, wings or what they would be targeting. I'm not really sure. Or do they keep both lottery picks? And, I mean, we kind of saw how bad the supporting cast was around Curry all season. Do you try to find two lottery guys that can come in and be people that can help? Um I don't know. I find their situation really interesting because out of pretty much every team in the lottery, they're the one that's probably going to be, I mean, assuming clay is back, knock on wood, they're going to be a playoff team or at least a playing team next year. And they have two lottery picks. So I find their situation probably most interesting because I could see them going a number of different ways um, with those picks they have. The teams that are always the most interesting to me every year are the teams that just miss the playoffs. And that that year, or to me this year, even though it doesn't 
exactly reflect in the standings as a like-for-like comparison. But in the West, it's Golden State to me, uh, and they're interesting for a number of reasons. Obviously, you still have the core of Steph Klandram on there, but also the Hornets. Like, I feel like there are a number of directions the Hornets can go in this summer that could lead to them. Uh, I mean, that this past season, I think it was a surprise for everybody, LaMelo being as good as he was right away and um, just the pieces coming together as quickly as they did. Uh, I'm really, I'm really interested to see what Charlotte and, and Golden State do this summer. Cause I think there is a strong possibility that if they play their cards, whether it's picks contracts, what have you, if they play their cards, right. There's a good chance they go into next season as like a, you know, a top four to six seed. Yeah. I mean, Lakers fans are very familiar. Mitch Kupchak's leading the way over there in Charlotte. Mm -hmm. So Lakers fans are very familiar with what he can do. He built a championship roster. Um, So he's fully capable of it. Um, And yeah, they're going to have some, the Hornets have a lot of interesting pieces as well, because um, one of their biggest strengths when they were healthy were how many guards and the guard depth they have and, Two of the four guards are um, restricted free agents. And then Terry Rozier is on a expiring. There's an argument to be made to sell high on him. Um, maybe bring back the two restricted guards. I don't know. There's a lot of pieces you can mess with. And then you also have, like you said, the number 11 pick. Um, probably if things go kind of according to plan in Charlotte, probably the last time you're going to have a lottery pick with LaMelo on the team for a mm-hmm. while. So you kind of got to nail this one. And also, I mean, this is a team that's been in the lottery for a while and starting this summer is kind of when the extension kind of cycle starts kicking in. Miles Bridges will be this season. Um, I believe PJ Washington the summer after that. And um you kind of start getting into the cycle of having to extend guys. And then, um, I mean, salary cap starts going way up at that point, uh, or excuse me, payroll starts going way up at that point. So they're an interesting team. You're right. The, the teams that are kind of right there on the, on the edge um, will be interesting to watch. I, I'm sure a lot of listeners listen to Zach Lowe. He did a podcast um it was actually on monday i believe talking about kind of the whole weekend of basketball he mentioned the spurs as a potential ben simmons location they have (laughs) they have the number 12 pick and they have just a whole bunch of decent uh, maybe slightly above average players maybe work in a demar Derozan sign and trade um so that'll be kind of interesting they have a lottery pick they could I don't know how much draft picks will really interest Philly since they're trying to win now um so maybe the Spurs flip that pick for some other player that they can include in the trade I mean that's four or five (laughs) five things down the road so um but yeah there's a lot of intriguing storylines with these uh these draft picks and 
I don't know, as, as just a general NBA fan, I it is very nice to not have to watch these lotteries as like sweating whether we're going to finish top three and keep the pick because mm-hmm. um, those were miserable. <laughs> I hated those. Um, I would be at the draft lottery in a normal non-COVID year always fell um, on a night a specific night when I always had to cover a track meet at my old job. So I'd be sitting at the start finish line, just constantly refreshing Twitter. Um, a couple times I was able to get enough of a signal to watch the draft lottery on my phone. A couple times people were texting me the results. Um, none of those were fun <laughs> for those asking. I would not recommend that for anybody. Um, but hopefully those days are long, long past us, and we won't have to ever really worry about that again. Um, but so it, it makes these nights a lot uh, more stress-free um, and watching how these lotteries unfold, and I can just kind of enjoy the, the fun storylines um, and how things play out. The, the Thunder had dreams of, like, two top five picks mm-hmm. and get – a six pick overall, like rough night for them. Um, just stuff like that is just kind of those sliding door moments that kind of change potentially the outlook of the league. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not gonna shed any tears for the thunder. They have every draft pick uh, in existence for the next, however many years. Uh, and they also, even in this year's draft, they have uh three draft picks yeah why can i read right now okay uh they have six oh well yeah they have three first rounders they have six overall 16 and 18 so they're they're just gonna trade into the top like they can Um, they have the sixth pick 16th pick 18th pick 34th pick 36th pick and 55th pick. They have six of the top 36 picks. Yeah. They, I mean, they could trade every pick for a, a top three pick and it wouldn't put a dent in their treasure chest. So no, um, they were, they were talking about it. I'm sure a lot of people saw it during the show, but they have, what was it? 18 picks over the next six years. It was basically an average of three first round draft picks per year for like the next like six years or something like it's something absolutely absurd it made absolutely no sense but yeah they have so many so many draft picks i also don't really feel bad for him because they were as blatantly tanking as possible (laughs) at the end of the season as well uh i mean shoot you're talking about a ben simmons landing spot (laughs) they got all the picks they want to throw at philly they uh i do kind of appreciate that they've kind of leaned into becoming I don't basically an NBA rehab center yeah. <laughs> where they take on uh, the Island of Misfit toys. Yeah. They will take on your player that uh, is not fitting, needs a fresh start. They will rehabilitate them and then they will flip them later on for um, more things down the road. They did it with Chris Paul. They did it with Dennis Schroeder. Al Horford. Yeah, and I was going to say, now they did it without Horford. Kemba next. I was going to say, they're <laughs> absolutely going to do it for Kemba. And he's absolutely going to be flipped to, like, Philly or something like that at the deadline or at next offseason. Um, 
it's 100% going to happen. And yeah, I mean, I was, I was either, it's either going to be Ben Simmons or Chris Saps Porzingis, I think will be one of their next rehab projects because both of those guys look like they badly need kind of a restart buttons with their current situations. Oh yeah. I, I didn't even think about Chris stops. Anybody with like a contract that can be seen as redeemable and draft picks is uh is a player in the in the draft market i guess but uh a, a true test of their rehabilitation powers would be if they traded for andrew wiggins <laughs> but i think he he might be too far gone if you i mean i know a lot of fans like to play around on trade machines so i know a lot of you guys probably know this if not just go take a look at andrew wiggins contract because even if you think you know how bad it is it is so much worse than than you can imagine. Like it is, um, it's it's. There aren't many contracts worse than it. He he made twenty nine point five million this year, thirty one point five million next year, thirty three point six million the year after that. It's a lot of money. It's yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if he is. Uh, on the thunder at some point in the coming uh coming years that's what i want the thunder to just lean into (laughs) just lean into this rehab project while also collecting young players and just continually flipping them for assets yeah that i i mean i don't know how many how many times they'd make the playoffs uh i mean they Nah, weaseled their the way <laughs> i mean they weaseled their way in last year so yeah exactly <laughs> you'll strike gold once or twice it'll be fine <laughs> that'll do it for our show this week um i don't know what big things are coming up over the next week like the nba finals will start eventually we'll talk about that um and if other like weird lakers news comes up we'll we'll talk about that too uh, until then keep listening And uh, we'll keep doing podcasts.